Welcome into another edition of the RinkWise podcast. I'm your host, editor Evan Marinovsky, and I am joined today by Brunswick hockey coach Mike Kennedy. Mike, welcome. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Evan. Thanks for having me on the uh, podcast. I'm excited to be here. Of course. I'm excited to have you here. And it's funny, when I started in this job a year ago, you were one of the first calls I made just to get to know you a little bit. And my favorite thing you said was, I teach journalism, so watch out if you, if you're, if you're, if you're having some problems with grammar or something, I'm going to reach out. And you, you teach that you're a big, you're big in the English department at Brunswick, correct? Uh, yeah, I've been an English teacher here. This is my 19th year at Brunswick. I've been teaching English for my, my whole career. I've been focusing the last couple of years on a senior elective. That's uh, a sports writing, sports journalism class. That's the best part of my day, especially now before hockey season. Yeah. That's awesome. That's so good. And I hope, hopefully us and the writers of New England Hockey Journal are living up to that. Hopefully we're, we're living up to that standard that you set with the students, which is, which is great. So this is your sixth season as head coach at, as head coach at Brunswick, right? You did 13 before as an assistant, correct? Correct. I was 13 years as an assistant under head coach Ron Van Bell, who is the athletic director here at Brunswick. And six years ago, he, Wanted to take a step back, and we thought it was the right time for me to make the move to become head coach. So, yeah, entering my sixth season, um, albeit we had one sort of lost season with COVID in there, but um, we'll count it as number six. <laughs> we'll still count it as six. In those, it's it's interesting. In those thirteen years as an assistant under Ron, how much did you learn and kind of shape your own coaching style during that time? Yeah, Ron and I were, both of us were brand new to the prep hockey coaching world when we started. So we were sort of trial by fire, but it was great for me. He gave me a lot of responsibility. I ran all the practices. I designed the practices, involved heavily in all the game planning and strategy, ran the forwards during the games. So it was, it was basically almost like I was in a head coaching role with an assistant title, which was kind of nice to, to avoid some of the, the pitfalls that come with the head coach. <laughs> uh, but we don't have to get into those. Yeah, no, we don't, we don't have to get into that, but it's, it's a very interesting 13 years of an assistant running practices, things like that. And take us back a little bit to through your hockey career prior to getting to Brunswick. How did you end up at Brunswick? Yeah. So I went to Brunswick from fifth grade through ninth grade. Uh, wow. Yeah. I grew up in the area in, in Darien, Connecticut. But back then, Brunswick didn't have a, its own rank, didn't play a Division One prep school schedule, played more of a local schedule around here, played even Greenwich High School, some of the public schools. So when I was a freshman here at Brunswick, I was a, I was a, a tiny little freshman. I was 5'3", 120 pounds, <laughs> uh, and I was first or second line center on the, on the varsity team here. Uh, and so I decided I need to make a move if I wanted to play college hockey and went off to Westminster and repeated my freshman year uh, at Westy and I was on the JV team so that just shows sort of how far apart Brunswick and some of the D- division one prep schools were at that time so I was at Westy for four years which was a, a great experience I loved every minute of it I uh, played for Tom Earl who was sort of a legendary coach there Timmy Jonkis and I were, were teammates and, and still very close to this day uh, so four years there and then it was different back then it was if you as a senior you were either a division one hockey player or a division three hockey player and, and and you junior hockey wasn't a wasn't a big thing so I fell just short of the d1 ranks and uh and, and went off to Middlebury College which was a, a, a heck of a program which is a heck of a program won eight out of 11 national championships I was lucky enough to get one 
my senior year there. And so then I came home after, after graduation, didn't really know what I wanted to do. Had stayed in touch with a few a few mentors of mine at Brunswick, former English teacher of mine. And he called and said, hey, we have an assistant hockey coaching position open, but it would come with teaching responsibilities. And I said, why not? Let's give it a shot. I'd always loved coaching hockey camps and stuff in the summer, and I, and I was passionate about it. And here we are 19 years later. I, ha- I haven't left, and it was a great decision, I'm, and I'm and I'm loving every minute. I was going to say, it sounds like it was a great path. And you went back to Brunswick instead of like a Westminster because you were there for four years. That's so interesting. And obviously, it it was a different time. But do you think if that took place now, your path would have been a little bit different? Do you think you would have maybe obviously stayed at Brunswick or gone to like a junior program and potentially maybe yeah. D1? Do you think that might have been a path if it was now? Yeah, it's funny you asked that. I was talking to my my 11-year-old daughter about it the other day, about how, how Brunswick's come so far athletically and, and, and playing all these Division One prep schools now. I, I think it would have been a, a much harder decision for me. At the time, I knew that that was my path to college hockey was to, was to go to boarding school. But now Brunswick's a great option. That's how we built our program with all the local guys. So I, I would have been one of those guys who could have stayed home and, and lived at home with my parents for four more years. And then who knows about the junior the junior thing i was i was on the on the cusp of division 1 i was in the sort of a bubble guy so maybe i would have taken an extra year i'm not sure but i'm i'm happy with how everything worked out and i'm kind of glad that i just went through the normal program of of four years of high school and then off to off to college it's it's a much different world now that i think in a lot of ways is unfortunate for the kids they're, they're pulled in so many different directions. Yeah, I mean, now you 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 help kids go Division One. That's your thing now. That's the the big thing. You're helping so many kids go Division One, and it's interesting you mentioned in there about Brunswick sort of changing when you were coming into Brunswick. You were playing varsity, public varsity teams, things like that. And obviously now that is not the case. You guys have a big schedule, a lot of top talent. How has Brunswick changed and evolved into the program it is today throughout your time there? Well, yeah, I mean, obviously building a rink was a, was a huge step for the program. That happened a little bit before I got here. So having a rink on campus really put a focus on our hockey program. And then I think we we had, we were lucky to have John Riley here prior to Ron and, and myself coming on board. And he's heavily involved in USA hockey and, and he brought the likes of Kevin Shattenkirk to Brunswick and Greg Squires and that we had Hugh Jessamine here who was drafted in the NHL by the Rangers. So they were sort of the trailblazers, I suppose, for the program. You need a couple guys to attract attention to get it started. And then since I've been here, we have we made a point 19 years ago, we were Division Two prep school, but we would schedule as many Division One teams as we could. We took our lumps along the way for sure, but we we put an emphasis on finding the, the best local kids in the area and saying, hey, hey you can get to college this way. And when one stays, two stay. And when two stays, three stay. And sort of built it up from there. And now we think we're the, the best option in town. And if you want to live at home and play really competitive hockey and get a great education, that's that's another thing we can't forget about Brunswick is it's very academic, academically focused school. It's challenging and it's rigorous. And so you're getting the best combination of academics and athletics that can help you get to where you want to go. Well, I mean, they get you as an English teacher. What I mean, what more could you want in a in a, in a prep school? Which is a, which is a great thing. So it's it's awesome. 
But for you, yeah, I mean, for sure, you, you know, you mentioned in there a lot about players staying. Is that sort of? A, it seems like that's a common theme with a lot of prep schools. That one good kid goes there, and kids down the road say, "Oh, player X went to Brunswick, or player Y went to Westminster. I'm going to go there now." It, did you notice that was a really big thing for you guys of top pro, a prospect coming, and then more coming down the road? Yeah, it's sort of, we built a little bit of a pipeline here with some of the local programs around us, mid-Fairfields right down the street, the mm. West Chester Express right up the road. But yeah, I mean, seeing see a John Hayden here many years ago, uh, a Luke Esposito, kids kids who really bought into Brunswick and and and, and loved it here. And, and they would just express how much they enjoyed it here and to the younger guys and they had younger brothers and but just we just sort of rode the momentum of that to help help keep attracting players and it's and it's worked out for us when it comes to identifying talent you're kind of you're watching a lot of these kids at the i imagine the 14 age the 15 age and up what goes into identifying the right kids that want to be at brunswick the right kids that are going to kind of help you guys continue to grow as a program yeah, I think for us, it starts, I meet them off the ice first, really, like in the interview process here at, at Brunswick, I'll, I'll set aside time and, and sit down with the families. And I, and I think that's really important for me to, to get a sense of who they are as individuals and what kind of character kids they are. And if they're interested in, in school, first of all, we want, we want student athletes. We that's don't want, important. <laughs> we don't want just hockey players here. And, and to be honest, if you're just a hockey player, you're not going to survive at Brunswick anyway. So that's the first thing we look for. And then obviously when I, when I'm attracted to a, a personality and a family, I'll, I'll go out and, and watch, watch the kid play. And I'm not looking at the statistics necessarily. I'm looking at the body language and the, the energy and engagement level of a kid. And there's so many talented kids around here that that's a, that's a separating factor for me is the attitude that you can they bring to the rink and that their coaches the way their coaches talk about them and maybe if they're wearing a letter on their jersey all that stuff sort of helps helps me differentiate you know you guys last year obviously and we'll get into sort of the outlook on this season a little bit sure. later but last season you guys had a really good year a lot of talented players a kid like drew de la sala uh, I remember watching him. I, I think I texted you about him when I saw him at Select 17. I said, this man, this like he was good in Brunswick, but just he was just so, so good uh, at Select 17 camp. And how did you get De La Sala? How did that sort of all come together? What was that recruitment process like? Yeah, I mean, Drew Drew's a local kid. He lives in Rye, um, which is easy commute to Brunswick. Uh, he was with Mid Fairfield and some of his teammates were lucky at Brunswick. We're a pre-K through 12 school, and a lot of a lot of kids in that mid-Fairfield program are here in fourth or fifth grade, or they start at Brunswick in pre-K. And so it's just word of mouth. A couple of his good buddies were here. Cooper Cleaves was here hmm. uh, already. And then Drew just came through like anybody else for an interview and expressed his interest in Brunswick and staying home with his family before going off to juniors or to college. And he fit our academic profile and one thing led led to the next and he, he was admitted and I don't I don't think he was really looking at other schools Brunswick was was where he wanted to go whether it was his teammates that were here or, or just living living at home for a few more years so yeah Drew, we were lucky to have Drew for two years I wish we had him for this year but 
you know, that's that's the way the hockey world is going. And you mentioned that I want to get to the where the hockey world's going in a sec, but just with with Drew and with a lot of the talented guys you've coached, when you have someone, Drew's a Harvard commit, should potentially go somewhere high in the 2024 NHL draft. When you have a talent like that, and you've had others in your past there, is there a, do you coach them in a different way or is it all the same? I mean, how do you sort of approach developing someone who you say, okay, they've got, they've, they're, they're, they're a special talent. How do you coach them? Is there something different you do with that? Well, every kid's different. Every kid has a different yeah. personality. Drew, Drew's a very quiet, reserved kid. So I didn't, it's hard to be hard on a kid like that. Seems a little, a little bit more on the fragile side. Not that he's fragile, but he's just on yeah. the fighter side. And so, with Drew, it was a lot of one-on-one time with video and helping him out with, with little things in his game that he can improve on. Obviously, he's a, he's a naturally gifted player, but, you know, some, some of the smaller details uh, that you, you can identify in video and have that one-on-one time with him, that was, that was sort of my approach with him. And then there's some, some guys you coach, and they want you to be on them all the time, and they want hard, constructive criticism or um, just that attention all the time and so it's 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 a feeling out process with 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 all your kids but you can't coach everyone the same way I don't think I've learned that over the years so you, you sort of have to figure it out individually is that how coaching's changed I mean I, I I've never coached I, I haven't been around that long but you know it, it feels like way back in the day coaches be hard on everybody and you'd right. be screaming and not you obviously yeah. others screaming and yelling the old time coaches and being hard on players. And now it feels like, all right, you kind of have to be a bit different for every player. Do you, have you noticed that change uh, in your coaching career? I have. Yeah, for sure. We, there's far more communication uh, between coach and player uh, in my, in my estimation, players are wanting to know more and more and, and they're, and they're willing to knock on your door and come in for meetings and ask for feedback. I don't, remember doing much of that during my playing days um, <laughs> but it's funny like we we're talking to coach Steve Mandy's and I last year we, we called it the year of the meeting because we were having so many player individual meetings with players called by the players so it's just it's beneficial for everybody to, to hash things out and, to, and communicate and make sure you're on the same page uh, but I'm, I think it's just a generational thing I'm not sure what it's caused by but yeah I've certainly noticed that change over over the last decade or so and yeah and and a lot's changed and one change i want to get into is sort of how prep hockey has changed it feels like your prep hockey was prep to college and you still see some kids do that but a lot more feel like they don't they'll go to juniors whether it's after graduation or pre-graduation what have you thought of that change and and what do you think has caused that to be the case i mean i I think it's the arrival of all these junior programs, I, I would suppose. And there weren't so many around. There weren't many leagues, many options. Uh, you know, but now it seems that these junior programs are here and they're and they're actively recruiting players. Uh, and and they're a lot of times telling them what they want to hear. And you can come here for one year after high school and uh, take a chance. But for the kids too, like it, it's a hard it's it's not as easy to play college hockey anymore i think than it was 25 years ago there are far more players far more programs kids are older we we saw even more of that with the covid year and the gaining the extra year and that sort of backlog junior programs and college programs and and now you find kids are, are 
stuck in juniors for three years. I mean, is that something you want to do? If you want to be a hockey player, I guess it's it's something you have to do or a risk you have to take. I was ready to move on and get my education, and and I knew I wasn't going to be an NHL player. Maybe kids these days aren't coming to that realization as quickly, or they have more people around telling them that they they might be able to do it or keep chasing the dream. And not to say that we don't have kids here and in the prep world that will go on to have professional careers and how they will. But part of me wishes it was it was the old like the old way where kids see it through. They graduate from their high school. I think. A lot of people lose sight about how important that even is these days and, and how important your senior year experience is at, with your best friends. And I look back on my playing days at Westminster. I, my senior year was some of my finest memories playing hockey. And uh, if I had to leave and go play juniors and bypass that, obviously I'd be creating new memories out there, but I'm not sure they'd be as strong. And as- Yeah, and it, it, it you mentioned it. A lot of junior programs have popped up, a lot of different leagues. Leagues have gotten bigger, obviously, like the USHL and <laughs> – and the BCHL, and there's all these HLs and all this stuff. But there's also a lot of programs around here now. There's prep, obviously, but now there's these academies, and they've popped up. And yeah. uh, you have full-season club teams like the Long Island Gulls. How has that impacted the prep hockey world and sort of the New England hockey scene in general? What, what do you think the impact's been? Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's 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 probably impacted it more than I more than I know. I think down in Brunswick, I'm not sure it's had that big of an impact on us. I'm not I'm not recruiting or or, or looking for the academy type kid. Where I'm not I'm not saying they're not valuing education, but I think they're putting hockey first. And and at Brunswick, like I said, we're the academics is first here and, and you're and you're going for the prep school model. So the kids that I'm I'm looking for here, I think they're always going to be attracted and the families are always going to be looking for that. I think there's going to be a market for it everywhere. I, I think obviously some of the boarding schools struggling to fill beds. They're they're competing with those academy kids that they maybe would have gotten in years past to to help keep their programs vibrant and full. So it's certainly probably tougher uh for some of our competitors at Brunswick than it is for us. But like I said, I, I think I like our model down here and I think families will always be attracted to it. And so we're going to, we're going to keep, keep selling it and we'll, we'll, we'll be, the buyers will be out there. I was going to say, it seems to be working. It, it seems to be, you guys seem to have a pretty good formula down there. It, it's funny. Like I remember one coach, a prep coach had said to me, the Academy kids, They'll go to academies for their 14 year, maybe their 15 year, and then they'll move on to a prep. Do you see it that way too? Or are, are, is recruiting overall in prep being affected by it? Yeah. I mean, like I said, it's different for us. We're a day school. I have a 20 mile radius, basically maybe a little more than that to focus on. I think it's, it's gotta be far more difficult for the, the boarding schools who are competing all with each other for kids from all over the country in Canada. And so I'm sure that those Academy kids who were there for the 14 and 15 year, yeah, they're moving on to boarding schools, but they're probably not looking at Brunswick. The kids, the 14 and 15 year olds uh, that end up at Brunswick or they're in the area. Now they're playing triple a, or they're playing for a local Darien or New Canaan or a Greenwich program. So it's another benefit sort of to my to my world is that it's it's simplified for me down here as far as who I'm looking at based on our academic re- reputation but also the fact that we're a day school and geography comes into play and it's and it's interesting do you think prep hockey has to evolve at all to sort of 
cater to those things or is the model, I know the model works for you, but for prep, I mean, do you think prep has to change at all to stay relevant with these changing trends? Yeah. I mean, I I think probably there have to be some adjustments. Does does the season start a little earlier Do the restrictions in the fall where a coach is only allowed on the ice with three players at a time? Does that change and you get more access to your players in the fall that that might change? I mean, as far as number of games being played, I think that's something that some schools maybe should look at. We play the max of 35. We, We try to get to that number every year, but I know that some of the other schools are are restricted to 25. Um, and so maybe that's that's an issue for some some players and families as they're as they're making a decision between juniors or an academy program. So maybe taking a look at that. I I like our schedule where it is with hitting that 35 game max. It it is pretty it's a lot of hockey and a short a condensed amount of time. So yeah, maybe adding a month, but there Lots of people who are old school and traditional and, and lots of the heads of school making those decisions. And I'm, I'm not sure, you know, how fast that change will happen. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a big question. I think there's a lot of different answers to it on both sides. Before we get to your team this year, I want to ask you this question. And it's a big question. It's a question that every parent who's listening, who has a player in hockey right now is is wondering. And you know, you've overseen a lot of talent in your 19 years at, at Brunswick and you played college hockey. What does it take to get a college commitment? What do you notice? What like what is the make? You know, maybe not the makeup of the player, but what does a player have to do to put themselves in the best position to get a commitment? What what does it take? Yeah, I think it takes consistency. I think I think these coaches they're probably going to see, uh, I don't know, three, four, or five times, all on different days. They're not seeing you every day. Like like for me, I get to see my players every day, and I and I grow accustomed to who they are as players, but. These college coaches are showing up in rinks over different periods of time and, and different days, but they want to see the, that the kid is the same play is his best, his best uh, level each and every time he takes the ice. And I, you know, that's, that's tough as a 17 year old kid to be, to bring in every day and to be focused and prepared. And, but those kids who are sort of dominant each and every time they take the ice and they're around in the prep prep world. Those are the kids that are, you know, probably first off the list and then the others it takes more time I think colleges probably want to see them more often that's something I hear a lot oh we just want to see him for another season or or a couple more games and so consistently bringing it every day and and every time and you know never know who's going to be watching you so you, you can't take days off based on the opponent or you're not feeling so well or whatever it might be that's what I would say is different differentiating factor I mean, I go to the, a lot of these prep games, these fall split season games, and it's all these college coaches. I'm like, man, I hope these kids don't look in the stands. They're gonna, they're gonna be so. This be so much pressure seeing all these logos and all these coaches. But yeah, I mean, prep obviously is well watched. Fall teams are are watched closely. Summer. I mean, you look at the. I mentioned that select camp earlier. I mean, the 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 stands are just college coaches, NHL scouts, USHL GM. Like, it's just. 
and then me, <laughs> it's me. So uh, the, exactly me with my notebook. That's uh, I guess maybe you have the most watchful eyes of all on that. So getting to this t- to your team this year, sure. you guys had a really good year last year. Get to the the second round of the Elite Eight. Coming into this year, I mean, what's the outlook on this group? Who are some of the players we should be watching? Yeah, I mean, we have 14 seniors this year, which is I'm used to people describing our team as young and inexperienced, but. Two years ago, we were very young, but that was, that was our sophomore class that, that's now two years older, and, and you know, we managed to hang on to, to most of them. So having 14 seniors means that our expectations are are pretty high, even after the success we had last year. Obviously, we lost Drew De La Salle a year early, and we graduated James Shannon and Eli Friedman and Sloan Farmer and, and Brendan Hollihan, to name a few. But we're just going to, I think we're going to ride our senior class. We, are, we have our co-captains, Sean Gibbons, who had a heck of a year last year. Luke Drury, who is a force down the middle for us. And I think last year he was com- coming off his shoulder surgery. So I think he's he's back to full strength and uh, just committed to Brown. So those two guys will, will be our, our captains. Uh, and then we have other guys like Brendan Giles, who's been around for a while uh, with us for t- two years and in our top six for two years. Ryan Wachtel just committed to Princeton a couple of days ago, looking at looking to eat some more minutes for us and produce more offensively. But I think there there are a handful of guys, a handful of seniors who we think can break out, who may maybe been a, in third and fourth line roles, but are going to get more of an opportunity this year. A guy like Charlie Vincent, Jake Manella, Casey Quinson. These are these are all seniors who we think are capable of ten plus goals uh, and putting pop pucks in the net for us and again they're older they're seniors they're, they're 2005 birthdays which is which is nice that we'll have an older more experienced team yeah yeah you have 14 seniors that's quite a few on d you still have cooper cleaves right correct yeah so on d we have a great group of 6d coming back cooper cleaves obviously the probably the most recognizable name and we're looking for him to have a a, a big offensive year he keeps growing into his body and keeps improving he, he's a he's a rink rat he's at the rink all day and all night if, if, if he could be so he'll be <laughs> need, he'll need be, to sleep sometimes yeah he'll be the leader back there but we have some other guys who played significant minutes last year luke lampert carter grimes carter hall we have luke hall luke hall back so some experience back there but we're we think we'll have six capable d that we can roll out there and a couple good power play guys as well and I know in net, Brennan Hollihan graduated, and obviously, you know, you have a strong decor in front of whoever's in net this year. Do you know what the plan is yet for in net? Uh, yeah, I mean, Will, it's Will Baker's net. He's been waiting for it for two years. He's he's played some minutes here and there. He played some, got some good victories for us last year uh, when we called upon him. Uh, but it, you know, it's 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 his crease. We'll have some younger guys pushing him for 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 minutes. But but as we told Will, like that's. It's your job. Your Brunswick will go as far as Will Baker can take us in the net. And I think he's quite capable and will be one of the better goalies, maybe in prep school. To end this question second, to end the questions, I want to ask you this. Obviously, your team is paramount, but for you in your career, I mean, what are your goals? You've coached for 19 years at Brunswick. What are sort of some of your goals that you have over the next couple of years and through your career? Yeah, I mean... In the hockey world, I just want to keep evolving as a coach and not be stagnant in my my progression. I'm I'm always trying to learn 
I don't want to be the same coach every year and, and do the same drills over and over again. New strategies, new concepts. Lucky enough to have Marty St. Louis as a mentor of mine. So we talk hockey all the time. But just learning from others, going to the, excuse me, the TCS Live Conference this summer at University of Michigan and listening to professional coaches talk about culture or, or the power play, whatever it might be, just bringing new things to the Brunswick hockey program every year and continuing to evolve. The wins, the wins are fun and it's fun to have good seasons, but uh, making sure the kids keep having a good experience uh, here is, is, is my main goal for, for the hockey, hockey world. Teaching English, I guess we could talk about that another time. <laughs> hey, there's a lot. There's a lot to to want in teaching English. It's a it's a great thing. Um, teaching English helped me get here, so it, it there go. good teachers helped me get here. Um, how did you? How did Marty Saint Louis become a mentor of yours? Yeah, so his boys went through Brunswick. Ryan, his oldest, who's at Brown now, was here for two years, or he was in the middle school as well, but on our hockey team for two years before going off the development program. And then Lucas, the middle brother, who's currently with Dubuque and off to Harvard next year, I believe, was with us for a couple of years. And Mason, the youngest, the 2008, is currently a sophomore here. So Marty was retired and his, his son was, was, was playing at Brunswick and he, he asked if he could be, become involved in the program. And I thought I'd be a fool to say no and to be, be protective of our, of our program and it's a funny story before he got hired for the Canadians. It was Lucas's junior year at Brunswick and Marty was with us every day at practice for the first from November through early February. And he, he called me in early February and he said, coach, you got a second. And I thought we were going to talk about a game plan for our next opponent or something, but he said, I got some news for you. I'm, I'm going to be named the, the head coach of the Montreal Canadiens. <laughs> and I said, what? You're leaving us coach. You got a playoff run coming up. Well, yeah, what? Come on. But anyway, he's he's been great. He studies the game all day long and lives and breathes hockey. So he's willing to share and we're, we can bounce ideas off him all the time. And it's it's relationships like that, that that help you become better as a coach and learn new things. So uh, I take a lot of value in that and, and very appreciative of his his time and energy that he's given to the Brunswick hockey program for sure. Well, I mean, it, it goes to show, I mean, he, he's the head coach of the Canadians because he was, he coached with you. That's all that, that's Got exactly, <laughs> that's exactly how it happened. Well, Mike, I think it's time we hand it over to producer David Yaz for our fun segment overtime. It puts us on the spot with some fun questions. Yaz, I'm curious what you got cooking today. Fun? I'm supposed to be fun today? <laughs> okay, yes, I guess I guess overtime can be fun. Thank you, Evan. It is a segment of the program where I lob some questions to both Evan and the guests. So Coach Mike will get the equal amount of questions. And Evan, I'm going to pick up on the tradition we started in the last episode where you and Steph dueled on terms involving hockey slang. Ooh. So you're going to get five hockey slang terms each. You guys are the experts. You should know what these things mean. <laughs> so, but we'll see. Coach, we'll we'll start with you. And we'll start you with a, We'll start we'll start you with an easy one. What Tell me what is a bucket in hockey? A bucket? Your helmet, your CCM or your Bauer bucket? Absolutely right. Correct. Ding ding ding. Nailed well, it. Well done. All right, they're going to get a little harder. Evan, oh, tell God. us, what is a bar down, or if you prefer, 
Bar Mexico. Bar Mexico. It means yeah. you shoot one off the crossbar and it goes right in the net. That's what everyone dreams of. A nice shot off the crossbar and goes right behind the goalie and in the net. Absolutely right. Apparently the sound is is this a sound that could only be created in heaven, that sound of the <laughs> puck hitting the bar and going in. Unless you're the goalie. Unless you're the goalie, which is it's bad news. Yes. Coach, I think this is an easy one as well, but tell us what it means to chirp in hockey. Let someone know you're there. Say hello. <laughs> Say hello to your opponent. Uh, tell them how they're looking that day. Is chirping training included in your program, Coach, or <laughs> not really? Uh, you know, every once in a while there's room for a few <laughs> I was uh, at a men's league game last night, and someone on our, like my D partner was chirping the other team. I'm like, it's like it's like 11 p.m. on a on a Monday. Can we can we cool it here? Like really? Like come on. Someone was really practicing their chirping that day. I guess they had to get it out. Yeah. Um. Okay, Evan. For you, tell me what a dinger is. A dinger. This might be a hard one. I'm thinking. A, well, I know in baseball, a dinger is a home run. Of course. A dinger in hockey. I actually never heard this in hockey context. Is it a, a big hit? No, it's actually, and, and I don't know how commonplace this is, but according to my sources, a dinger is a pinch of chewing tobacco that players enjoy <laughs> in the locker room before <laughs> and after the game. Definitely probably, not doing that down here. Yeah, probably yeah. not allowed. <laughs> All right, Coach, tell us what a fishbowl is. Uh, an iTech. Yeah, we got a few of those around uh, on our squad this year, I believe. Which is what, tell us what that means. Oh, uh, it's like a... A clear, a clear ma- a mask. Uh, yeah, some right. kind of, yeah. A helmet with a full plastic shield instead he's of a case. He's got it right. right. He's got it right. Oh, the iTech is a great iTech. I miss those. Is iTech still a hockey brand? I don't think it is, but it was a hell of a brand back in the day. I have Who's making the fish bowls now. Do we know? I I would assume fish bowls are still around, but I oh yeah, iTech. I don't know if iTech's still making them. According to this source, it is, in fact, correctly stated, a helmet with a full plastic shield instead of a cage. This d- definition goes on to say, typically used as an insult in trash talk. Opinions vary widely on fishbowls, but if, <laughs> if you wear one, you're likely one of the best players on the ice or the worst. <laughs> All right, Evan, I, I imagine you'll handle this one, but what is a Gordie Howe hat trick? Ooh, Gordie Howe hat trick. It's when you score a goal, assist, and a fight all in the same game. And I guess right. if you're in prep school or high school hockey or even college, I guess you could throw in as instead of the fight, you could, I mean, this isn't true, but you can have like a penalty or you can maybe rough someone up in front of the net, a little skirmish, I guess it could be substitute for the fight uh, in non-fighting leagues. Oh, I like that. So we can do Gordie Howe hat tricks in high school as well. Okay. <laughs> um, Basically. Coach, tell us what a pigeon is. Pigeon. Uh, it's kind of a bender, not a very good player. <laughs> I think you've got it correct. Absolutely right. Uh, a player that isn't good enough to score goals by himself, so he picks up the trash of his more skilled line mates, yeah. often used as trash talk, apparently made famous by Claude Giroux. Okay. Evan, tell us what a pylon is. Oh, a pylon is a defenseman that is not very good, and you say, <laughs> I would rather have a pylon out there than you. So that's what a pylon is. Absolutely right. A player extremely slow on the ice can easily be skated around. Uh, coach, I don't know if this comes up in prep hockey, but uh, do you know what the term turtle means? What was it? Turtle. Like the it animal, is, the turtle. Is yeah. that when you make yourself into a little ball when you when you don't want to get, <laughs> get punched in the face? <laughs> Absolutely right. One of the players in a fight would rather not and just crouches or falls to his knees and covers himself. Turtles, just like it sounds. Evan, I, this is one of my favorites, but I don't know how commonplace it is. The term is bottle rocket. 
I'm going to guess it's a hard slap shot, but I've never heard bottle rocket in hockey context before. Well, we'll give you partial credit. Apparently, a bottle rocket is when a goal breaks the goalie's water bottle that sits on top of the net. Oh, that would make sense. Yeah. Does that happen? (laughs) Yeah, it does. Yep, it does. Goalies get the water bottles knocked right off the top of the top of the net all the time sometimes. All right. And... The last one for you, Coach, and I think you've already actually defined this one, but the term is bender. Yeah, someone who struggles to skate around the ice, trips (laughs) trips over his feet a little bit. Exactly right. A player whose ankles bend while they're skating, hence not very good. And congratulations, Coach. You, I think the coach won, so he sorry did. about that, he Evan. He did, yeah. I, I got bested there. So Victory of the year. Perfect. In, <laughs> in honor of the coach's victory, the uh, rink-wise robot has come up with the following poem to salute Coach Kennedy using the terms that we heard in the quiz. Don't worry, it's not a long poem, but here it is. In Greenwich, Coach Mike Kennedy, they adore. Buckets on, they'd hit the ice, chirping loud his words of advice. No dingers allowed in the locker's grace, but Gordie Howe hat-tricks all over the place. With bottle rockets, they'd ignite thrilling goals, pure hockey delight. Mike Kennedy's legend, forever prime in the hockey world. He's bar down sublime. So, well done, coach. That's as poetic as we get on this podcast. That is enlightening. (laughs) I love that. That's got to be an all-time honor for you, getting that poem. I mean, geez. I I might need a copy of that. (laughs) <laughs> break that one down in class tomorrow. <laughs> exactly. It's, yeah, it's perfect. I don't know if the meter was correct or the, but but you you can be the judge, coach. <laughs> but thank you for being a good sport. And yeah. back to you, Evan. Yeah, Mike, I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. This has been a really fun conversation. We'll, we'll definitely have to have you on soon, whether it's next season or uh, even sooner than that. And uh, yeah, Mike, this has been awesome, and I'm sure I'll yeah. see you around the rink quite a bit this winter. Thanks a lot, Evan. Appreciate your coverage and uh, everything you're doing for, for the prep hockey world. Sounds good, Mike. And that's Mike Kennedy. And that this is Evan Marinovsky. It's been another edition of the Rinkwise podcast, which is a Siemens Media production. <laughs> <laughs>